Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what makes them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We're back for episode 20. Episode 20, the big two zero. It feels like a pretty big milestone. It, you know, it is nice numerically round, um, you know, approaching the, the half year mark of a weekly podcast. That's crazy. Uh, I didn't think in those terms. Not quite there yet, but, uh, you know, closing in. I was thinking as we were going to do this, like, you know, 20 is like one of those numbers. Things get packed in early on in terms of important numbers because, you know, five episodes from now, we'll be at the, the quarter century mark and that'll right. be its own noteworthy moment. But I feel like uh, 10 passed without too much uh, note. 20 is worth, uh, worth a little, little celebration, I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah, a little little hubristic to uh, hubristic, which is <laughs> my favorite uh, new metal <laughs> New metal band, Hubristank. Um, <laughs> Hubristank. It's a good thing that that's not what we do on this podcast, because uh, it's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Right. And we would be miserable most of the time. Um, so, yeah, a very good thing indeed. Um, but, yeah, we uh, have a little uh, celebratory beer here in each of our hands. We and, sure do. Uh, cheers, man. Here's to 20 eps. Cheers. Ah. Hmm. Now, yeah, you pulled that out of your cellar, so you were wondering. Yeah, uh, I know. It might need to open up a little bit more. I think it's still in, in decent shape. Okay. Maybe a little past its prime. Yeah. Hard to say uh, with a beer this old. It's 2015 Bourbon County mm-hmm. brand stout from Goose Island. And, um, you know, beer is certainly a podcast that many other people do. So I don't yes. have too much more to say about it than that. Uh, but as I was uh, pinging the glass there, it did remind me of another great moment in our personal recording history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew you would immediately. Mm. Yeah. My tooth hurts just thinking about it. Who uh, are, are extraordinarily few in number who perhaps have listened to Prepare to Suffer. Um, there was a moment, a moment where we could very audibly hear Paul uh, bang one of his teeth into a pint glass. Oof. You were like laughing and the glass was too close to your mouth, maybe. I, I think so. Well, I went maybe went to take a sip and somehow messed that up after 30 years. Of... I, I believe me doing something really dumb on screen had something to do with it. <laughs> probably. I probably fell off that bridge for the fucking hundredth time. Right. But yeah, I love, uh, yeah, just a crystal clear, clear as a bell, just ping. Um, ping. Yep. Good, good stuff. Uh, Great moments. Be careful when mixing inebriants and video games, people. Um, just... That's our public service announcement for today. Right. You might have too good of a time. Yeah, it's been known to happen. And we can't have that. I um, I, I do have one quick story about that since sure. we're rolling up and uh, and reveling in, in, in memory for a moment. I, I once had too good of a time raiding in World of Warcraft, uh, but the too good of a time involved having, having too much to drink and crumbling under the pressure while healing. Okay. And... I didn't want to have to admit to my guildmates. This is honestly one of my most shameful moments uh, in my adult life because I'm a very honest person, as I think you know. I disconnected my own computer rather than tell them I'm too drunk to heal. (laughs) Wow. And you were, I mean, were you too drunk to even heal badly? Like, or or would that have been No, I wasn't too drunk to heal badly, but... The pressure as we were about to start, like the third yeah. or fourth attempt on this boss, 
it was yeah. just too much for me. It was just too like I could have felt like if we'd been doing a five man with you know whoever's like I absolutely would have been like hey you know just so you know we're probably gonna die a lot there's gonna be repair costs mm-hmm. um but you know it was a ten it was a ten person raid and I just was I was pretty three sheets and uh yeah I pulled the pulled the plug on myself <laughs> embarrassed about it to this very day yeah and I wouldn't share this story if it were not video games related right um and yeah when you first said rated my mind went pvp which obviously is is inaccurate rating is a much different thing and like you said repair costs which is an element that i had forgotten about but man oh yeah those could really sting they could after, sting, especially after a few wipes. you've got your rating gear you've started to get good gear yeah. and the more trashed it gets from each of those deaths the more your repair costs are starting to mount and uh yeah, I mean, there was also a PvP rating for sure, right? Um, on PvP servers, but um, and that's a story for another time in terms of my own experiences with it. But yeah, yeah, momentous things happening in that world, but uh, not necessarily a topic for today's show. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to mention at the top, you and I had some successes in Dark Souls Three last night. Some speaking Absolutely. of momentous. I mean, Paul, uh, what have you been playing? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, hopped into your uh, world a bit and um, opened up some paths first out in the, the painted world. Yeah, which it was super fun running around, running for our lives, you know, against those giant bowmen. Uh, I didn't giants. quite get to the uh, next bonfire out there. I'm going to have to do that one on my own. We for were sure. so close. And then we yeah. got invaded again. by. Oh, that was it. Person. I got invaded twice. And that's why I had to go run back and get my souls. And yeah, we were close to a bonfire as you had hinted at to me. Yeah, but a super gnarly area, that sort of upper rafters area with the flies. And then all of a sudden the flies just aggroed us for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then the PVP person came at us and I'm like, how, cause they shouldn't be able to aggro stuff. It must've been something else, but it was very. That was something we did, but they came back too. That was when they came back for their revenge. Right. Right. Cause the first time we were triumphant. Yeah. And the second time uh, they, took we you, were not. they took you out, but I like uh, managed to do some pretty effective dodging and, uh, they came back and they actually like closed on me really fast and had a much heavier melee hit mm-hmm. and just pummeled the ever loving shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, opened up some shortcuts in Ariandel and I'm actually, uh, you know, we might, we might jump back in after this. Yeah. I, you might be out of embers maybe, but we can hopefully scare some up. Might have uh, one. Okay. Um, and otherwise, I do know that uh, Anne Orlando is a really solid farming spot for us, yeah. as it turns out. Um, or, you know, maybe we can just chat in both farm and then uh, come come together. We shall see. Uh, but I, I also wanted to mention uh, we took down the armored dragon slayer, I believe. Dragon is... male armor? Dragon? Something like that. Male yeah, armor. the male dragon armor. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> tell me. Tell me, uh, for a very large man, I don't know. Yeah, this is not tell me about, but tell me about, uh, uh, yeah, your experience with with that enemy. Yeah, I mean, I have been trying to take that enemy down back since Yarnstein. Yarnston, I think Yarnston was my first Dark Souls 3 character, and Yarn, my current Dark Souls 3 character, is only my second one. And now I'm actually like, I kind of want to go, like, we could we could run that fight again with the non-sorcerer just for just cause like <laughs> it's, you know, 
when you beat a Dark Souls fight, one thing about it is you often want access back to that fight immediately. And of course, mm-hmm. that's the one thing you can't have. Um, but it goes back probably three years, 2019, no, 2018. Yeah, I it would was believe it. 2018 because when did Remastered come out? Um, Like through two years ago? No, no, no. You're you're forgetting 2020 on that calculation. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> I think it came out in 2018, and I think that's when I basically trickled off. I was still playing a little bit of Dark Souls 3, but I trickled off of Dark Souls 3 and primarily started throwing myself into that run through Dark Souls, which I was able to do with some relative efficiency. Yeah. Um, and then I decided, okay, I'm going to start a sorcerer for Dark Souls 3, uh, having felt like that was easy mode in dark souls um because i had been stalled for maybe two months at that boss at that point mm-hmm. in time which is not an impossible amount of time for me mm-hmm. i have spent longer than that on bosses um but the result was it took me quite a long time to get back there uh for various reasons uh including some kind of stalling out at point including the part where I, on my run with my sorcerer, totally forgot about how you need to charge up the sword in order to use its effect properly with Yorm. Yep. That like, you need to hold it down for a really long time and only that. So like, I was like, I kept thinking like, well, I have the sword equipped and then I hit him with the strike and that should be like, why is this not doing any damage? And that took several months. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know how I managed to fuck that up that badly, except that I got to that boss like right before moving back to Los Angeles. So anyway, it had been a long time. It had been a long time, and I'd been going at him really pretty underleveled. My weapon, uh, my staff, significantly underleveled. Um, and I know I could easily, not easily, easily with time, maybe a better way to phrase it, taking him down uh, myself for sure. The stage two is a little bit rough, although as we discussed, that um, charge-up slam that he does that sends out the shockwave mm-hmm. um, is even rougher than the random shit in phase two of the fight uh for for one such as uh as uh, as as my sorcerer being a yarn is a complete glass cannon i finally started putting a little bit of, of health in there mm-hmm. uh a little hp on the pool um partially because it was just so brutal to get one-shotted by that particular attack when i was doing my solo runs on that fight um but i have no shame whatsoever in having uh co-opt it with you um because it's just a delight to move forward in the game now yeah uh, moving forward into the Grand Archives, which... Uh, Grand, not Duke's Archives. Right. But apparently they're as torturous as the Duke's Archives, or at least... Uh, yeah. In a different a different feeling. Like, Duke's Archives is just stark and sort of... I don't know. It... Bleak? It is one of the hardest parts of Dark Souls. Yeah. And the Grand Archives I mean, is a little more fun and kind of silly... Um, uh, a little more lighthearted in 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 a weird way um no i get that the Duke's archives is not lighthearted uh it, it the those crystal knights or whatever they are in there I, they just hit you like a ton of fucking bricks yeah and the um the puzzly aspect of it is not that bad but getting through to the different parts of it is super unforgiving mm-hmm. um it has summoners, doesn't it? Have like summoners or something in it too, who are just pelting you from distance. The channelers, yeah. Channelers, yeah. Thank yep. you. Um, so, like, yeah, and obviously, so far in 
I'm just like, oh, great, a crystal sage. Um, although surprisingly for me, uh, Spook, um, once you're kind of like out of sight, out of mind with that crystal sage, mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know, invisibility off and like, he's like, oh, I guess there's somebody here. I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. One of those areas, you know, like Sands Fortress or Tomb of the Giants or the Farron Swamp that I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for Moses to get here because I know like it beats me down every time and uh, it's I'm sure it'll, in a, in a it'll beat way. you down as well a bit and then uh you will prevail and you will see what comes next i do feel like sense fortress of those that you just enumerated has a quality where when you've been there enough it'll catch you off guard a bit but once you kind of have the vibe of sense fortress it's not that bad no it seems way worse than it is it seems way worse than it is and once you kind of have a good feel for it and the timing of it it's it's nowhere near as bad as it initially presents yeah. um, and it is tough it's genuinely tough but it's not like i guess there are some fights in dark souls and some areas in dark souls where i feel like even if you've learned them before really le- relearning the pacing and the timing is like it's it's almost like you have to do it all over again each time mm-hmm. to just get back in the rhythm of that zone and that maybe it's just the sheer amount of suffering and the number of times being knocked off the edge by one of those giant swinging you know axe blades um but I feel like if I had to run Sense Fortress right now, I I would get through it in an afternoon. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't like be a, a multi-week affair. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm anticipating this might be a <laughs> this this might take a little bit. We'll see. It, it, it might, it might. <laughs> uh yeah, looking forward to uh hearing more about your adventures. And I'm I'm back in it now too, you know, with my sorcerer. Uh I'm you know, I'm at the boss that you are now working your way towards and we're roughly yeah. the same in Ariandel. So, you know, uh, we've done a lot of co-op with these two characters and, uh, and it continues on. It's been great. I definitely think we should co-op that one Ariandel fight again with the, uh, the grave keeper. Yeah. So champion yeah. grave tender, I think. Champion grave tender. Yeah. He's a champion at tending graves. <laughs> He's man. He shovels that dirt and really fluffs those flowers. I think maybe it helps that he has like those wolves. They come in like, I don't know what they do to the graves, but. They dig fresh ones mostly. They, yeah, they, they dig. They're good at digger. They're good diggers. And that good icy, diggers. icy earth. <laughs> hey, it's all a painting. It's okay. It is a disgusting, <laughs> rotting painting, which needs to be burned so that the next cycle can start. Okay. Wow. All right. That's a hint at some lore, but we're going to come back to this topic, actually. I promise you. Yeah. And I guess the a few of those weird birds have referenced that a bit. I witnessed yeah, no, that's to a one. Good point. So, I haven't talked to any of the weird birds recently. Um, well, we found that one weird bird uh, after beating the, the knight. Um, okay. I have talked to a weird bird recently. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of talking to weird birds, we're going to move into our next segment, or rather continue our first segment, which is our game ranks. And I'm pleased to say, and hopefully uh, that was no exception uh, just now, but I finally got the volume right on the game ranks intro. It was it was booming when I, when I listened yeah. back. Yeah, fantastic. Hopefully not too booming. No, I think, you know, it, it's... Yeah, it's like one percent too booming, which is within acceptable. That's within the zone of of tolerance. Um, 
I was uh, getting caught up on uh, on current season Adventure Zone and the theme music at the end of the episode. I was like, oh, God, I had this up really loud and I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, although there's a specific reason for that, given this one of the characters has kind of a saw is being voiced somewhat softly. But anyway, uh, yes, game ranks. Yes, game ranks. And uh, here we are with number 19. What do you got, Mo? Shit. You know what? I was going to drop it in at 18, but I this game deserves to be higher on the list. Okay. Last minute audible here. Yeah, I am calling an audible and I am going to move it up to number 12. Oh, wow. Falling in between Rocket League and Carcassonne for me, Castle Crashers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been languishing on my list for a while. And as I was kind of, you know, fretting pre-episode about what to put on the list next, because I've got a bunch of worthy contenders. Um, But I guess part of why I realized this is when I was, part of why I caught my attention was that um, it really does deserve to be a little bit higher up, closer to that 10 spot. The other games that I have ranked below it, hey, who knows if there'll be some shuffle over time. Um, But Castle Crashers is not only a great game in its own right. I mean, I'm not sure it would hold up as a single player game, but it wasn't designed to be primarily a single player game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the memories of the three of us playing this game, Wendy, of course, being the third, we've talked about it before on the pod. Um, and just such a, a great, joyous multiplayer, you know, couch, you know, experience. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, my, my, my dates might be a little off here, but that feels like it was early on in the Xbox Live Arcade era. And it, it's such a ubiquitous thing now. But if you think back, like before Braid, that wasn't a thing. You didn't get these little $20 experiences. Maybe you had Uno or something, but like um, there was like a golden age of, of indie gaming and, and like couch co-op coming back in not in vogue necessarily, but people realizing the value of it and that it should be catered to. Um, Most and definitely. Then, and I was just furiously scrolling through my unranked list to make sure that I have Braid on there somewhere, which I, I saw know. your furrowed brow there. You were quite furious. You're like, is, is he worried about what I'm saying? Is this really contentious? No, I was just like, oh God, Braid, that definitely deserves to be in the rankings. Whereas um, I but- did not have Castle Crashers on my list until just now. Until just now, and now you're like, ah, how how could I have neglected this? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Castle Crashers. I mean, the the shitting deer. How can you ever forget? Yeah, (laughs) shittering. And that's like pretty pretty early in the game, actually. Um, And yet, one of the many spots that we were at one point or another a little bit stuck at, Mm -hmm. uh, because the game does a really smooth transition to being a a somewhat different play experience, right? it's something that Castle Crashers excels at. One of the things that I really hate in terms of bad game design is when a game shifts gears, um, but it does it in a way that feels incongruous with the rest of the play experience. Mm-hmm. Classic examples, throwing in quick time events. This was the curse of like early 2000s video games, right? Like a third person or first person like shooter or action or whatever. And then here's a quick time event that you've had no opportunity to practice, but which will actually have a very big impact on the game. Like mm-hmm. curse you. Um, Castle Crashers give us a great example of where the game will throw these like slight tweaks, mostly by way of level design, into what it's asking you to do. Uh, but it does it in ways that are totally congruous with everything you're already doing in the game. It doesn't feel weird or out of place to be doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah, natural natural extension of, of the game mechanics. And, uh, you know, it was funny. It was fun. And we, you beat it, and then you get insane mode. And that was insane. That was totally wild, you know. I, it's definitely one of the hardest gaming experiences that I have experienced. Um, I'm just trying to think in terms of co-op. If we're going to table Dark Souls for a second here, because it's a, a categorically different in terms of how it co-ops, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, Insane Mode was really fucking hard. It was brutally hard. Um, I guess like uh, late, late level Spelunky stuff is, is up there. Um, but it was bonkers and we muscled through it. Yeah, and we were stuck on that ice level for, I think, months. Um, definitely months and i mean we were hanging out very regularly it wasn't like we wouldn't be giving it a shot pretty frequently i was i was probably hanging out with you guys on average of once a week uh either just with you or with both of you or something like that you know and uh man yeah yeah that is pretty late in the game too and what a great uh overworld map too Hmm. i'm just like art style um really being again it's a, it's a, like that consistency thing mm-hmm. where it i don't know like obviously they're doing okay it's kind of platforming we're kind of marioing here right um feels yeah there's the unavoidable mario 3 comparison when you get an overworld map like that that has little paths that are taking mm-hmm. you to locations where you can do stuff um but it just felt beautifully rendered and it uh it felt like just kind of looking at the whole thing from a different perspective mm-hmm which is not always the case with that kind of the, you know, overworld versus level experience. Yeah. And granted, they had the benefit of doing it long after the games that were traditionally like when they were first emerging, doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's a game that, and I mean, a, a fair handful of games do this for me, but where if I think about it for a few moments, like I, uh, I feel it in my chest. You know, I feel the the burning excitement and anticipation of getting to play co-op with you guys and the challenges that we would face. And, you know, I can kind of remember the music on the ice level. Um, You know, that was like our our chill out, our chill out level. If we needed a little break between attempts, you know, we would just let the music go. And that's uh, right. I forgot about that. And it's kind of one of those things there. I think kind of like the original Spelunky, there was no guarantee that we could have ever beaten insane mode. Uh, we easily could have given up or simply fallen off of it. And we didn't, you know, we, we prevailed. We did. We did. And I think that's actually a great way to frame it is like, you know, the, that style of challenge where you could have just said, you know what, this is a walkaway experience. It's cool. It's cool to go hollow sometimes. It's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens. Speaking of going hollow, a brief tangent. Um, I swear I've never seen this in Dark Souls before. The original Dark Souls. Uh, you know the uh, Vamos, the skeleton uh, uh, blacksmith who's down oh, yeah. in the catacombs. Um, he was Vamos? Uh, I think his name is Vamos. V-A-M-O-S. I'm pretty sure. Um, not not Vamanos or Vamanos, but... Uh, yeah. Um, there is a coffin that you can get into oh, and yeah. then okay you and then you see like 
a big skeleton, close it up, and then you slide somewhere into Tomb of the Giants. And I don't think I've ever done that, but apparently you have. Oh, yeah, I've totally gotten into that coffin. Wow. I had no idea that coffin existed. <laughs> yeah, no, this is yet again, like this is probably like the third or fourth or maybe fifth random thing in Dark Souls that I stumbled across. <laughs> yeah. Like you didn't look it up. You didn't wiki it somehow. And um, for whatever reason, I was randomly poking around, pressing the X button. And yeah, hey, something happened. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess that, that means I'm, I'm due for another another playthrough maybe well i'm also due for bloodborne as well uh oh man well my angle here is like get through dark souls 3 and then you know i really should beat bloodborne it would be a good idea mm -hmm. so that i can you've got all of sekiro except of course elden ring is going to come out so yeah also true um little time yeah but meanwhile paul if you will favor us with your game ranking for our you know 19 in the world of the dark tower, a very special number. <laughs> um, yes, I will certainly favor you with that. And uh, not 19, but 18 for me uh, goes to Grand Theft Auto 3 mm. on the PlayStation 2. Um, you know, the word uh, revolutionary is is thrown around a lot when it comes to, to games and stuff, but but this truly was the first time you were let loose in a in a city and at least you felt like and for the most part you could in terms of like vocabulary within a game do whatever you wanted run around punching people stealing cars shooting cops whatever you wanted and i mean as long as it was restricted to mostly acts of violence and driving <laughs> exactly. but yes because in prior games that were about violence and or driving um, it tended to be narrow in terms of when you could be violent and or drive. Right. Even when those two concepts were brought together, it, it you know, th this was outside of, uh, you know, text adventure, uh, text context, like, you know, moves, muds, et cetera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was just a fun and fulfilling world to be in because of how vibrant and alive it was due in large part to the soundtrack, which, uh, soundtrack meaning the songs, but also the radio, the fake ads. Uh, yeah. It made it feel like a real living, breathing city. And, uh, you know, you would hear news reports on the radio about crimes that you had done, you know, as part of the story. And it really cemented you in this world. And, you know, I would just spend hours, you know, driving around, exploring, looking for the little secrets. Uh, or I would just sit in a car and listen to Chatterbox FM, which was the talk station with Laszlo. <laughs> and, you know, because back then I loved uh, Loveline and, and other things like that, but there weren't a ton. Sure. There weren't podcasts, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. And I love podcasts and re-listening to favorites. So I would just sit and have that on in the background sometimes. Um, but the soundtrack, man, like it turned me on to you know, to, to genres, even a little bit like reggae, I had listened to a little, but like, this was, oh, I like the scientist now, or, you know, stuff like that, or even classical. Um, like, I distinctly remember the commercial um, uh, that they had, I think it's Oh, Oh, me Bambino Caro or something. Uh, you know, very, you'd know it if you if you heard it, but, uh, and then it's like Grand Theft Auto 3 now in stores. And it's like, burned burned into my brain um 
and That's then I mean, so meta and so brilliant. Yeah, and then I mean, talk about emergent gameplay. This this was a game where you, you know, it, it was so conducive to those sorts of experiences. Like, uh, I would have friends over, and we would get like a five star wanted level from the cops, and then okay, you have to drive from here to here without getting blown up mm -hmm. or arrested, and we would just run that over and over. Um, and you can like crank that up and be like, no, you have to do it in this shitty car right here. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was it was a revolution for sure. It absolutely was. It absolutely was. I didn't uh, spend as much time with that particular game so much as the sequel to it, mm -hmm. uh, which we are going to inevitably visit in this podcast uh, for basically very similar reasons. Um, but man, yeah, you you nailed it. And I think three is uh, is special in mm -hmm. terms of outside of our personal individual experiences uh, in terms of game development and um, and kind of the array of of the the open world. I, I I don't know that the term existed until people were talking about GTA three. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you could buy stuff in that one too, right? Well, locations or was that not until um, that was Vice city yeah. okay yeah and so i mean that was the next natural step in the process um and that makes sense too <clears throat> but nonetheless I, it, it did it, it really blew the doors out on what it meant to to give the player more agency in a rich 3d graphic environment specifically mm -hmm. certainly there had been many games prior to that that had worked very hard to grant players a lot of agency but not with that level of, I mean, yeah, it looks blocky by contemporary standards, but uh, come on, at that point in time, amazing graphical fidelity and and smoothness too. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, they, what was it? Was it called Los Santos? What was the third in that trilogy? How come I can't? Oh, the California one? Yeah. Um, um, it's weird that... It's I never spent time with it, unfortunately. Okay. I just wasn't in a GTA mode at the time. And yeah, it, it's not four because four comes after that. Right. San something. San Andreas. Uh, there we San go. San Andreas. Oh yeah, yeah, right. The fault line. Hello. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I feel like I actually missed out on San Andreas, and I I would be willing to bet it would still be a pretty enjoyable play play playable experience. Um, hmm. I wonder. Yeah. It's a pretty good. It's the same engine uh, as Vice City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, with some some refinements and. You yeah, know, you were I, mean, talking... I mean, it's got new things. It had like a jetpack and stuff. It had a jetpack, uh, and it had other new things. You know, you were kind of talking about the arc of the games increasing in complexity and like uh, how the character can change and stuff. And I feel like maybe they overreached a, a little bit, or at least some things didn't quite work. Like if you ate a bunch of hamburgers, you'd get fat, <laughs> and then you could go to the gym and burn, you know, and burn it off, burn it off or <laughs> get super buff. You know, they've been like playing fable and we're like, what if we did this only in GTA? And it's like, right. Do you want that in GTA though? I mean, you know, yeah, it was a little, a little iffy, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, similarly, the Sims are never going to wind up on my list personally because I haven't spent time with it, but that's just not to my preference. So I don't know. Ooh, I need to add <laughs> the original Sims to my, to my long list, I think. Um, hey. And they really need to make a new Grand Theft Auto game. Um, I never finished five. I made it pretty far. And then I'm just They've like been I, supporting the shit out of five for so long. Yeah. I mean, I do give them credit on that. Well, supporting the online, which supports their their bottom line, uh, no doubt. I mean, you can't begrudge them that. But I, you know, 
No, and I mean, I respect the fact they've offered relatively recently offered new modes for their online players, and that's or like new maps or whatever, new levels and some stuff. Yeah, I wanted to ask, and I'm I'm looking it up now. Uh, I wanted you to guess the year that Grand Theft Auto Five first came out. Five. Uh, yeah. Five being the one that we're talking about, like getting supported still and stuff. 2015? 2013. Shit. 2013. It's insane. And they're still making hundreds of millions, if not more. I bought it on Xbox too. So actually that does make sense. Yeah. You cost by 15. Wouldn't the PS4 come out? 15? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be 15. Almost definitely was, was 2015. I feel like I had made my console migration by then. Right. where I was no longer using my Xbox, like late 2015. Because mm-hmm. I bought it pretty early. Something to do with Bloodborne, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got some lists. We're 19 strong. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, in, a, in a way it makes sense to save it for next time because of the nice round number. But I feel like since we're celebrating episode 20 here, we're, we're due for another rundown of the ranks. Um, I'll uh, start us off here with number 19, Toe Jam and Earl, Grand Theft Auto 3, Bit Trip Beat, Animal Crossing, Res, Super Mario World, FTL, Sonic the Hedgehog, Metal Gear Solid, Eco, Final Fantasy X, Super Mario All-Stars, Link's Awakening, Dark Souls, Super Mario Kart, Mario 64, Final Fantasy IX, Ocarina of Time, and Chrono Trigger. All right. From 19, Fexter, which really wants to be <laughs> autocorrected to Theodore, <laughs> Johann Sebastian Joust, Minecraft, Beyond Good and Evil, Mass Effect 2, Ocarina of Time, Carcassonne, iOS, Castle Crashers, Rocket League, Warlords, Might and Magic Clash of Heroes, Team Fortress 2, SSX Tricky, Spelunky, We Love Katamari, Portal, Nintendo Ice Hockey, Tetris Effect, and Dark Souls Remastered. Nice. I think we can uh, probably skip doing the rundown when we get to 20 and maybe save that for our 25th game yeah. rank to, uh, to hit that back up. But... Um, I do have to say, it's interesting as I get up the list into that top 10, I have like increasing confidence. They, they still feel very solid up at the top compared to, you know, the bottom nine. Uh, everything down there feels a little bit more potentially shifty, uh, even if it's going to be still in that general zone. Some of it feels like, I don't know if this will, you know, be in this order. But, you know, when I get up into those top numbers, like I'm like, these games really fit for me. Yeah, yeah, I I feel the same way actually. Which and uh, thank goodness we didn't decide to try and do something like the best games of all time and try and do some kind of like rubric of objective assessment of them. That would have been terrible, brutal. We yeah. our, our our listeners would have uh, you know I probably would have increased listener engagement. They'd be like tearing the shit out of us. <laughs> but 
yeah that, that's a bridge too far it's it's hard enough quantifying your own likes versus uh oh it, it really likes. is but at least you know you're like this is subjective it's to me i have like whatever my weird fucking criteria are for putting this game on this list in this order and i can shift it later if i feel the need to justify it uh by some arbitrary whim yeah cool um great well let's uh press ahead then into our next segment what i love about And uh, Moses, what do you love about this week? I mean, it, from this episode so far, y'all might be thinking this is going to be a really Dark Souls heavy episode, but it turns out it's about baseball. Oh, shit. <laughs> I have to because after uh, much waiting, Paul has finally got me playing baseball this week um, or within the last week since the podcast is a more accurate way to put it. Uh, and I'm going to leave most of that for your extended baseball update. Um, but I did want to share one thing I love about baseball um, that is not uh, the more obvious things because uh, um, the obvious things I would actually probably ramble on about for quite some time. And instead I want to keep this on the shorter side, uh, but it's something I didn't think I was going to love about baseball. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I thought might be really interesting to me about, about baseball. Um, in the abstract, and lo and behold, most of that is. Uh, but what I didn't think was going to be interesting to me about it is that it is at its heart a baseball simulation, yeah. like electronic baseball. And the funny fucking thing is watching the little tickers fill up as a match is happening as your team or if you're watching another team, although since they all play at once, you're mostly probably watching your team. But as you're watching it play, it is hugely fucking compelling. And I am not a baseball fan. Wow. I love going to the park. I love going to a ballpark and seeing a game. I have no strong attachment to any team in baseball, major league baseball, just not my thing, but I'll be happy to go see any team. And, um, you know, what can I say? Uh, root against the Yankees. Um, no, uh, <laughs> um, I only kind of joking, but, um, the thing about watching it is I think I've started to hone in on it is I'm getting what other people get out of baseball. Um, when I watch that, when I watch baseball, um, only I have no tolerance for the pace of it unless I'm at a ballpark normally. Right. But when the pace is just completely arbitrarily driven by each turn is executed and it moves and it keeps moving forward, the drama of bases filling up of strikes and balls and yeah, there's weird rules in, in baseball that are going to determine outcomes in wildly different ways. But even tabling that, like, um, it's actually just really compelling watching the innings proceed. And, and I'm surprised. I am very pleasantly surprised that I kind of love this about baseball. Fortunately, not enough to just sit there and watch. <laughs> because one thing I kind of don't like but respect about baseball is that when the season is running, it's on the hour, which is madness. That's right. fucking absolute insanity. Uh, and I can see why some people maybe have a problem. Um, or, for instance, as you said, I believe on the pot or maybe off the pot a while back when you were loop hero heavy. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm completely occupied between loop hero and baseball. And I was like, I didn't quite put together the piece about baseball. But now that I understand how games run on the hour, it super makes sense. <laughs> it's very easy to get sucked in in that respect. Um, but what I what I, one thing I do love about it is just watching a game play out, watching it kind of tick through. And it's just delightful. Yeah, well, that's uh, you know great to hear. Obviously, I'm I'm quite pleased to hear that. Uh, and I had a similar 
sort of uh, arc with that where, I mean, I have even less interest in, in baseball than, than you from, from the sounds of it. Um, I mean, if you don't like going out to a ballpark or not particularly, then the answer to that would be yes. Because I I do like going out to a ballpark. The vibe is like a good thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say no to it, uh, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't arrange my life in such a way that it would be likely to to happen anytime soon. Um, but nonetheless, the, the moment to moment, uh, as you said, the little, the little ticker filling up the bases loading unloading um and then compounded by all the the crazy rules which uh <laughs> game by game are now being stripped away by squared black holes uh which we will get to um we'll get to that but uh yeah um it's something that the novelty or enjoyment of that has faded a bit um yeah. over the months because i've been watching this since uh, i believe september of last year um, but, uh, especially if your team is doing well or not doing well or whatever, you know, and especially this season with everything, you know, approaching this climactic, uh, sort of end point or, or reset that we're approaching. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been glued to it all over again. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm super, super excited that, that you're into it and hopefully we won't have to wait too long for season 25 and uh, all the joys and horror that that will bring. I mean, we'll get back to that shortly when we get to our baseball update. We but in the meantime, uh, tell me something you love about games this week. Um, yeah, I wanted to tell you um, what I loved about uh, what I call my one magical weekend. Um, and it's just, it's a gaming memory that looms large in my head and in my heart. It was many years ago. I, I should have looked up the, the year these games came out, but it was um, it was uh, Wii and PlayStation 2, uh, or no, Xbox 360, rather, games. Um, uh, my partner, Wendy, was out of town for the weekend. So I had this whole weekend to myself. Um, I had plenty of marijuana, and two games had come out. Uh, one of them was Red Faction Guerrilla, and the other was Little King's story on oh, yeah. the uh, on the on Wii, Wii. Um, and it was just it was idyllic. It was like it was like a springtime for me because both of those games were so captivating in their own way. Red Faction Guerrilla, you're on Mars and you're destroying buildings, basically. I and, am vaguely tempted to add that one to my list, but I'm not yeah. quite sure if it makes my, if I'm, I don't think I ever owned it, but I certainly remember loving playing. I might've had it on 360 later. And you, you have never, you had never seen a building crumble the way that they did in Red Faction Guerrilla. It was, it was brand That new. was their big selling point was the yeah. destructibility of their environment. And it really was. Yeah. Just driving a truck through a building or just taking apart the support columns one by one with a sledgehammer. Um, it was yeah, so good and so much fun. And then Little King Story, uh, like, God bless it. It, you know, you're this little kid who's sucked into this world and you become the little king and you are ordering around all of your little troops. You can like throw them at, at enemies, kind of like Pikmin. Uh, and they can die. And I had one named Letty and Letty was my most powerful like unit and she died. And then what I didn't know was that there's a chance that they can wash up on the beach 
uh, on a future time. And eventually that happened. I'm like, oh, I've got Letty back. Um, but the thing that cements it in my head is all of the music was like copyright free uh, arrangements of classical works, uh, which there's a reason they're classical, like they're they're great, you know. Um, and there's this one song that would play when you would set out uh, and it was like, da 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 and then you would cross over into like the woods area and these flutes would come in like like a more pensive kind of spooky vibe and like i had all the time in the world i had the love for these two games i could switch back to and like an especially little king story um with the music and like it, you know, what more can I say? It was, it was that, that one perfect weekend. That's fantastic. And what a lovely like contrast to such completely different game experiences. And I, and that undoubtedly contributed. Yeah. It's like sweet and salty, you know, or, yeah. or even less compatible, like meat and ice cream. <laughs> That seems actually, that's, story that's, being that's, that's really genuinely like <laughs> beautiful rare red steak and like right. caramel like whatever ice cream something that's very sweet <laughs> yeah and man little king story had this like very subversive like there was this church and they would talk about god and instead of amen they would say ramen and um <laughs> oh man you i i hope you get to play it someday or at least see it uh i mean i got to see you play some of it okay you remember it okay um i do remember it it made a distinct impression because when you nice. said that i was like oh that's right that was one of those great wii games of which there were actually quite a few yeah it was an yeah. odd moment in consoles but um you know and there was obviously like wii sports and stuff that was important historically important in terms of video game development and engagement with different audiences uh, but Nintendo also happened to release a bunch of just straight up legit good fucking games on the Wii. Yeah, no doubt. Although perhaps probably two of the least favored uh, Zelda games. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Depends on who you talk to. Well, Skyward Sword being one. Skyward Sword is definitely most people really do not favor it. But some people yeah. also really don't like Twilight Princess. Oh, okay. Some have a Wii I haven't played either of them. I, yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people love Twilight Princess, but it is one that has definitely received mixed reviews. So yeah, it had some some stumbles, uh, but some of the dungeons. There's one where you're up in this snowy mountain, and there's a Goron and his wife, and she's sick, and you have to go around and collect ingredients for a soup uh, for him to make for his wife. And it was like this is just a house, but it's a dungeon. You know, like it was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Did it involve different kinds of rocks? <laughs> no, it was like vegetables and stuff. There were probably rocks in it too. But no, that's a good point because Goron's, at least back in Ocarina time, they, rocks, they subsist people? only on rocks. Yeah. Also, maybe maybe medicine is still a separate uh, class of of consumable though. And or you know maybe within the broader reach of culture that uh, you know crosses culture. Uh, the realization that a good stock 
mm. whether made from chicken or vegetable is, you know, just inherently kind of, kind of healing. It's restorative. Yes. Yeah, truly. Um, great. Well, moving on to more true things, we've got our next segment. Tell me about. And uh, yeah, Moses, so let's start with, with you. Uh, could you please tell me about the angriest or most frustrated you've been at a game? Oh, wow. That's hard. Cause I, super meat boy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know, as much as other human beings can be frustrating in video games, um, I am way more prone in, uh, you know, co-op slash PVP, especially any, anything team squad based PVP. I'm way more prone. I, I, you know, I get riled when somebody takes me down. I get annoyed. I don't get con controller throwing angry. And when one of my teammates lets me down, I get deeply disappointed. I'm never going to get on the mic and, and dress somebody down. That's mm -hmm. not me. I am tempted to get on the mic and be like, oh, really? <laughs> like, but I don't even do that because you know what? I don't want to drag anybody else's play experience down as like, you know, it, it is a force of will to not get on the mic and express my disappointment, but I don't, I don't do it. Um, so no, it is actually when I get the most angry in a game, um, it is definitely uh, single player experiences. Mm -hmm. And it is, I'm pretty sure it's Super Meat Boy. Um, it's a little bit hard to say. I've had some very angry Dark Soul Bloodborne, you know, from soft moments too. Uh, and the commonality with those moments with Super Meat Boy is when you feel like you've got it and it's something hard, it's something legitimately fucking hard. And you have tried it many, 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 many times. Mm -hmm. um, so no, it wasn't that moment in Bloodborne when I realized that I was not able to kill, in fact, kill the first werewolf and that I needed to go to... <laughs> <laughs> a story for another time uh even though i've told like 70 percent of it in those few words um i'm pretty sure with super meat boy i often got like i've never thrown a controller actually i've dropped one pretty hard on more than one occasion it slipped out of my hand that's another story um yeah see again be careful when you mix inebriants and, and gaming but um but in terms of like yelling at the monitor and wanting to throw a controller where other people might actually throw the controller. Um, I had a lot of those moments with Super Meat Boy. And I'm not sure that Omega would be the definitive one of those. Um, but there's no sense in not hanging my hat on that since it's the level that I never finished that's before the final boss. And I certainly had many moments on that level that were fucking infuriating because I was so goddamn close. Um, it's not really that that last, there's that ridiculous, brutal jump on that level. Um, that's not the kind of moment that would frustrate me because even though it takes like a lot of effort to get there, um, if you get as far as the thing that's really hanging you up in a, in a, in a situation like that and level design like that, for me, that's not what makes me really angry when I fail it. Um, it's the opposite. It's when I start tilting. It's when, yeah. you know, like there's the series of saw blades early on, on that level. Pretty sure there are saw blades. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Um, and it's a, 
series of reasonably demanding jumps where you have to elevate pretty pretty high listeners you cannot see my hand like <laughs> waving back and forth in front of the camera he's but conducting paul, a hymn if you can yeah if yeah. you could see it uh paul you can probably remember what i'm trying to kind of evoke here where um and it's funny it's really imprinted so like you actually managed to 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 get there and i mean this might not be the angriest i was at super meat boy but it was those kinds of moments where you just start doing worse and worse <laughs> and worse and you're just like yelling at a screen and it's not that's not good it's really not good you should have walked away like 10 minutes prior i should have walked away 10 minutes prior in any of those instances um so i can't pinpoint a very specific moment um and i've been equally angry with other similar moments in games Mm-hmm. Um, and I have like a, a nagging feeling at the back of my mind that um, there's probably a bullshit design thing in some other game that made me even angrier than this. I, yeah, I wonder. You know what I mean? I do, and I, and this is your experience, so I'm, I, I wouldn't call it into to question. But the, the question that comes to my mind is isn't it easier to just dismiss that as like well fuck this this is broken whereas super meat boy is entirely fair and it just doesn't give a fuck yeah like because no, that's you, exactly right because you would maybe give up on the broken bullshit way but before the broken bullshit up. is frustrating when you realize that you were trying to do the wrong thing and it was simpler than you thought it was that's what i yeah. mean by broken where, yeah. where it's like this level is so poorly designed that it really makes you think you're supposed to do something you can't. And that's its own kind of infuriating. And there are some moments like that in games that I've certainly encountered. Um, but I don't think it is the same emotional intensity because the anger is so self-directed when you start tilting and doing worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, it's that feeling. I had this in my grasp. I was almost able to beat this thing. And now I'm getting killed by stupid things that mm -hmm. shouldn't even be touching me because I was sailing through them like 10 minutes ago. And I feel like the, the looping of Super Meat Boy in terms of how quickly you restart and how quickly you get to jump right back into it, yep. it has the capacity to do significantly advance <laughs> the self-rage that you can feel as you start dying faster and faster. So yeah, because there's no, there's no friction in getting back to another run. It just Absolutely. starts you again and it's fun to play. So why wouldn't you at least start running? Cause running is fun in Meat Boy, the little squishy noise he makes as he runs. Mm -hmm. And the next little thing you know, off. you're halfway through the level again and dying again. And then, then you're starting again. And then you're, you know, three centimeters back in terms of halfway through the level. And then you're like, you know, 12 centimeters back uh, you know and then you're dying like on the first thing that can possibly kill you yeah. <laughs> and then you're falling off an edge that you're like i don't even know how i fell off of that so yeah i love that game it's on my list it's going to get in the rank eventually yeah in spite of the fact that i will probably never beat it because i would have to get all the way back through it again and it doesn't even have the original fucking brilliant music in yeah it. i've you know i've still got an xbox 360 kicking around that we could we could always hook up as long as you have a spare Ethernet cable. <laughs> right? But, uh, I do. Actually, let me just reach down here. I literally yeah, do. Yeah. Down underneath a box of gear down there. Um, so, yeah. So, Paul, tell me about, and this is a, kind of wildly different, um, but very related to our activities of this, uh, of the other day. 
your thought process on spoilers and help when we are co-oping or talking about a Dark Souls game. Um, and I actually have some ideas about this already, but I think it'll be interesting for our listeners to hear how you make decisions about when you feel you can tell me something, uh, whether it be lore related or, uh, you know, strategy tactical related mm-hmm. slash when you feel that co-oping and literally helping me on something versus when you feel like, no, Moses, you've really got to like take this one on your own because that's, you know, so tell me, tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Well, at, at first blush, it seems, you know, almost entirely situational in terms of the, the fringes of, cause there are some things I obviously would never say and some things that are, are fine to always say, but I yeah. think the interesting part is more in those, those kind of edge cases. Um, you know, part of it is, uh, what I'm witnessing from, from you, like, uh, the, the Yorm, the giant fight, you know, comes to mind. Um, and in my recollection, I had mentioned something about the sword and powering it up. And, you know, you responded pretty confidently that, you know, yes, you were aware and you were doing it. And, but in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, something's off here yeah. with this. Um, but that's a situation where I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to push further, like, uh, unless prompted, you know, uh, because well, it was my second run and I'd already beaten him once. And I just had forgotten that you need to like initially charge the sword and then do a charge up attack. Yeah. And those were discreet. Yeah. And that's actually a little bit less the kind of general. So if you want to pull another, another example out, that might be, uh, might be useful. Yeah. Um, so, well, when we, when we were going to play outer wilds together, Sure. is is another thing um kind of maybe a counterpoint to that because uh you know spoilers for for outer wilds which normally I, we don't even give spoiler alerts but this is such a special game that if you don't know the premise yet you you should find out for yourself but uh as as i recall you did not know the overall premise of the game which is that 22 minutes after you blast off the sun goes supernova destroying everything and then you start back uh at at square one maybe with some of the knowledge that you had acquired but when it comes to this is the thesis of the game and and maybe even less than that maybe more that like this is a specific moment that i wouldn't dare want to take away from you the moment of oh god the sun exploded oh god it's getting bigger and bigger as it explodes and oh god it's consumed me like I had read enough about the game where I already knew that that was coming and I knew that you didn't. And in a way that makes me even more protective of it because I didn't get to have the surprise of the sun exploding, but maybe you could. And as you know, at times, uh, maybe frustrating or I don't know, you know, where the person isn't quite getting to what you want them to see, but you can't tell them what you want them to see. Uh, but something like that is too special to to spoil. Um, so I think if there are singular moments like that, uh, that they're very, very much worth preserving. Um, and it also comes down to how long have we been in this, you know, how long like, have we been hacking away at this thing? How long have I, especially, been like stuck on a moment that's like, 
gun in the moment, it's not about the yeah. Right. And it's more like some some uh, a hint I could drop or um, or even I'll get a little more free with uh, like lore discussions, like with the burning of of the painting, like from what I could tell, you had gotten some some dialogue about that. Uh, but it's a, I'm a little less careful with with something like that because it's uh, it's less about a specific moment and more about an overall understanding. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, the funny thing here is I am pretty spoiler tolerant. I'm not mm -hmm. as spoiler tolerant as Jay, who's been on the show, but um, but I'm pretty spoiler tolerant. But I actually enjoy that your spoiler aversity, um, you know, plays into our dynamic in terms of how we experience games together, uh, with you typically being out ahead of me in, mm -hmm. in terms of especially those big Ludo narrative uh, moments. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm happy to lean into that. I don't press you for knowledge. I'm happy to take it at a pace where you're like, okay, I feel like you should find this out for yourself. It'll be more interesting that way. And I mean, come on, if I truly, absolutely, utterly lose patience, the internet is there and I will look it up. Um, but oddly enough, my personal spoiler, uh, you know, lack of spoiler adversity, I do have, I am, I am averse to just looking shit up online. Mm -hmm. I really don't mind as much as somebody tells me Unless it's like five hours after a movie came out. <laughs> I'm like, give me a fucking minute to see this movie right. I've been dying to see, right? Um, but like outside of that kind of condition, um, you know, hey, it's a month later and somebody's talking about something. Okay, so so be it, you know. Um, but uh, no, I enjoy that about the dynamic of how we game together, um, particularly in games that are, uh, you know, primarily uh, a single player experience. Mm -hmm. um where you're wanting to share that with me so i was kind of uh curious you've given me a little bit more depth but certainly i think i already had some sense of this and you've you've given our listeners a little bit of depth about how you think about uh sharing game experiences so i appreciate it yeah. and there, there are certainly times when i'm you know less altruistic about it and and <laughs> selfish where i'm like i want to see what I want to see you see this. <laughs> I want to watch right. you. And so I'm just going to tell you how to get through this part so I can see you see the big part and see what you do with it, <laughs> right. how you die or what your reaction is or yeah. Right. But there are some things that are are simply worth, you know, whatever impatience I might experience, which is my own, you know, my own uh, dharma anyway. Is that the word dharma? Uh, world work. Uh, yeah, huh? probably might well be. Uh, uh, not entirely inappropriate usage of, of the word dharma. That so, is a yeah. that's a, a a literal translation of that word, or a. Uh, it's been said to me that way, as opposed okay. to karma, right? Right, right. And karma is your spiritual load, right? It can come from your ancestors and your previously lived lives, um, providing that you believe in reincarnation uh, within the framework of Hinduism. Uh, whereas, if I understand correctly, dharma is like very you know, it's, it's, it's the work in, in this life. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking back to the, you know, that, that when you were punching a werewolf, cause I was actually watching. I thought you were thinking back to Dharma and Greg there, but that's another story. <laughs> Dharma and karma. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when you were punching that werewolf for 40 minutes and I. I was the worst 40 minutes of my life. No, just kidding. And I just couldn't bring myself to tell you to stop. I think um, we're texting too. And I'm like, cause I'm like fucking running it back as fast as I can. And yeah. Bloodborne dropped with 
a really long reload time when you died. Oh, you're right. It was yeah. terrible. It was genuinely fucking bad. Like it, they 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 were actually apologetic when they, the fix was like, okay, now it's like normal Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just you know, and I think we called it a night, and you were still stuck on the werewolf mini boss of your own devising. Uh, and eventually, I heard from you that you died and found out that you're supposed to die or or whatever it is. I, I you know. Because certainly you were dying. Maybe you weren't making it far enough in dying. That You die, but in that initial death, you actually needed to, like, the way that initial area was designed, you had to actually go and click on a thing to go right. to the, the graveyard. Right, and then you get your weapon, and then you can efficiently And then kill. it's like a regular fight. Right. It's a hard but regular fight. That is the... The curse of Dark Souls in that its reputation precedes it. People know it's a difficult game. Therefore, they are willing to do insane things like go yeah. to the graveyard first in Dark so, Souls. Right. I didn't do that in Dark Souls. I did the equivalent of that in Bloodborne. <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, you did ultimately be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you told me like, you, have you sure you've checked or something like that? I think you you helped me tip me off to being like, oh, God damn it. Yep. So, Yeah. All right. Good stuff, man. Well, uh, moving things forward here, we've got Paul and Moses with your Blazeball updates. Um, and actually, towards the apocalypse, or at least something. Oh my God. Yeah, apocalypse is right. Um, and actually, I was going to start this segment off by asking you how you've felt but actually I, I still probably could because you spoke more broadly about your appreciation of, of baseball but like how are you feeling with this whole map thing and, and everything going on I mean here? I spoke very specifically about an endearing aspect of baseball in terms <laughs> of what I love about baseball um oh my god I could not have joined baseball at both a like the worst possible and best possible moment mm -hmm. um the worst possible moment because like there is a foundational aspect of the game that is really fucking weird right now. And a lot of speculation about how this shakes out in terms of new league formation and mm -hmm. structure. Um, and I mean, you and I watched it happen. Was this just yesterday or Monday? Yeah. No, it was uh, yesterday. Oh, no, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. I don't know. Um, time got very slippery in baseball. So I guess it just seeped back in. It's almost like, um, you know, March, 2020 all over again. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, but man, what a weird moment to join the tacos discord. Yeah. Um, as we've discussed previously, um, I'm a fan of the unlimited tacos, uh, here in Los Angeles. They've not always been unlimited. I didn't actually quite realize that, but, uh, there are multiple Los Angeles as a result of um, of uh, of an event that destabilized uh, space time in, yes. in in Los Angeles, and that's why the tacos are unlimited, right. at least in part, uh, going back to like season two or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there, I have never been in a Discord with this many fucking channels constantly popping off at once. <laughs> right, and I'm like very like I'm like I'm you know adding emojis to things very delicately. I haven't even introduced myself yet. I'm just mm -hmm. like. I, I've also never been this shy when joining a, a group of any kind, honestly, because mm -hmm. I'm like, 
this is so underway and I am such a latecomer to this. And the moment that we're in is bonkers, but I did diligently, the tacos have set up like a, a, a Google sheet where you can log where you're, what you're voting for in terms of navigation. Yeah. Um, and honestly, at this point, Paul, I've got to toss this back to you. I think our listeners who don't necessarily follow baseball intentionally, uh, intentionally, uh, consistently deserve uh, a little bit of an understanding of what the hell just happened. Yeah. So at the end of last week, uh, which was the end of season 23, uh, the sun uh, finally gained enough pressure and there were enough additional suns put into the heavens so that the sun went supernova. Um, The coin has stepped in front of the supernova, causing a supernova eclipse. Uh, Is the coin holding the supernova back? Uh, We don't know. The coin has never been the coin is capitalist and perhaps evil, or perhaps those are, are one and the same, but level? Um, yeah, <laughs> level or, or level. level. Yes. Level. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. We're firmly anti-capitalists over here in taco country. So very much, very much so. Um, and like it was, you know, it was known that there was going to be this uh, big break after this current season, which we are just over halfway through now. Um, and something of a, of a reset perhaps occurring. Uh, as I mentioned in previous weeks, Parker McMillan, the, uh, well, his descendant, Parker McMillan, the fifth, I believe is, uh, completely eschewed, uh, just for the record, Roman numeral usage. And it's just, I, 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 I totally <laughs> is now the commissioner, uh, but one of his predecessors, uh, who has the firewalker mod is now loose in the league, uh, spreading instability to the teams. And uh, uh, unfortunately, the uh, Kansas City Breathments and the Hawaii Fridays have both been incinerated, uh, which has never happened before in the modern uh, era of uh, baseball. I mean, it happened in the prehistory, which obviously is, you know, a fiction that never actually went down. So this is the first time. And man, like, what's it like to be on the Friday, you know, a Fridays fan. And then all of a sudden now you've got the Oxford pause uh, as your team, presumably, or you can move to a different team. Um, but I mean, kind of good, but like, bad. come on, you've got your discord set up. I'm sure. Right. right. Um, and so that was just the start of it though, because now uh, the election was delayed uh, this season uh, to the Earl's Siesta, which happened yesterday. And now there is a brand new tab, the Navigate tab. And all the teams started out kind of near the vault uh, and now are able to steer their way towards uh, four ultimate endpoints. Um, which, which presumably are going to define new new divisions, new... Right. And it sort of already is. And it, it I don't really have OCD, so I'm just kind of throwing this around. But the fact that like it's not even <laughs> really bugs me. Like there's two teams in the vault. There's six teams in the hall, you know, that's not going to stand. I have a strong intuition. That is not how this is going to shake out at the end. I think that's just making this season, the back end of the season, super fucking wacky. And yeah, it bugs me too. I too do not have OCD. I'm an organized <laughs> person, but I'm like, that's not fair. Why are right. those two just because they're just going to be playing each other at infinitum? <laughs> I mean, at right. least for the next several days or whatever. But uh, 
Yeah, and so, um, you know, within the Discord, you can, you know, co collaborate with your, your, your fellow fans and determine uh, the course that you want. Magic has al always favored the reader, uh, the tarot reader, um, because of their ties to like mysticism and and all that. And no magic mysticism, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we've been headed towards the uh, the desert, which is the domain mm -hmm. of the reader, as have the tacos. And well, I'm not I will sure... tell you from the tacos side, there we wound up headed towards the desert, and it was a not insignificant majority because we uh, you know uh uh some of the uh shall i say leadership among our fandom put um put up a google poll so people could vote too mm -hmm. and we've been very disciplined um i actually broke ranks accidentally because i was getting oriented <laughs> to things in the midst of all of this and put some votes towards the desert um but uh there's actually a pretty significant divide between desert and horizon or at least there was yesterday and now the conversation is a little bit more wide open is desert seems to be associated with night weather with what night uh oh i didn't know that yeah well i mean i'm <laughs> i'm just learning as i go here yeah yeah but, um that seems to have been a trend at least today <laughs> yeah i'm seeing a lot of a lot of night weather um yeah and uh Speaking of weather, there's uh, a couple of new types of weather, um, supernova eclipse and um, black hole squared uh, instead of just a black hole. And what has been happening is anytime a team scores 10 runs during black hole squared, uh, the game eats, the black hole eats a rule or it can eat players' items or things like that. But by and large, it's been eating- It's been rule eating. Rules, uh, which I'm kind of into because- you're not alone. The more rules that got added up, especially when we started getting into the under bracket and losing is good. Like it, for me, it made it less interesting to actually watch the games because you have a less clear thing that you're rooting for. Cause it's yeah. hard to root for your team to lose, but you know that it's best if they lose. So it, it got a little less satisfying. So I'm actually- so a, little, a little theory from the tacos discord. Um, that the expansion era was specifically about the expansion of rules. Ah, uh, yeah. That all of these crazy fucking rules were like the trademark of the expansion era. And that as we were coming to the end of it, it's time to streamline. It's time to, to bring things back into whatever a new, new set of rules is. Yeah. And then uh, just before we started recording here, uh, I noticed that the map is now tilting, um, <laughs> presumably because of all the density in one corner which is the desert where the majority of teams have gone it is now tilting towards the desert and becoming a diamond um but yeah also theorize that maybe it's just tilting because it was always actually a baseball diamond right um and the reader actually had a little something to say about that um i'm not sure if you looked at this but um the reader said touchdown sunbeams and then the blanked out sunbeams name um over time tear down sand traps spikes set rebuild charge the mound trust the process uh and the flowers are now attempting to charge the mound, charge the mound. yeah which is the supernova eclipse with the coin superimposed over and it. everybody is speculating about what will happen when they get there yeah right i've noticed that yeah um and actually just this hour uh magic and tacos have made it to the desert and are now fully scattered meaning that <laughs> 
their names are just dashes. The names of the teams and all the players are just dashes, which it was, yeah, hard enough to watch when players had letters missing and now everything is everything missing. is missing. Um, oh man, it's going to be a wild ride. It, it is, it has been, and it, it will continue to be. Um, that was, that was kind of all the notes that, that I had on that. I mean, there's just, it's been a wild ride. And like, you know, like I was saying before, uh, it could be months before we, we see season 25, they, maybe they'll come out of beta, you know, um, uh, a little bittersweet as this season comes to an end, especially for fans who have had their teams incinerated, I'm sure. But, and also at the same time, I can't help but hope that it happens again, because then we get to see a brand new team and then I might get another name into baseball, you know, uh, it's like watching a car wreck, except less, less horrible, I guess. It's like watching a pileup that you kind of create, help to create inadvertently in GTA. There we go. Where you like triggered a police chase, but then you abandon the vehicle, but things are still a goddamn mess and you're on a rooftop with a bazooka. Right. Uh, I've gone too far. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, I can't express because, uh, you know, I've gotten a few people into baseball a little bit, you know, Alicia, Steve, Nick. Um, but I mean, you know what it's like. It's, I, I guess what I, what I had mentioned before, like you are going to want to engage with it more than you might be able to, or you might find a, a balance as perhaps you have. No, it's fucking but... <laughs> hard. I'm in a really odd moment too. Yeah. Like, I do want to engage with it more than I'm able to. Yeah. And I, I seriously don't have the bandwidth for this, um, which is why I was hesitant in the first place. But yeah. I have absolutely no regrets because I'm not going to say that baseball is the future of games, but is a present of how video games and social spaces are evolving. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the future is going to be fucking incomprehensible to people like us because we'll be dead by the time that it truly <laughs> arrives. Um, but to me, baseball is part of the path of things to come. Um, and I'm delighted by it. I'm embracing the weirdness of it. It has parts that I recognize and love. And at its core, it has this part that baseball fans have been loving for a very long time, ever since electronic baseball was a thing. Yeah. Like long before fantasy sports, essentially. Um, But it's so out there and it has so many layers that are seriously, deeply gamer, geeky, like weirdness. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think we're going to see more stuff like this down the road. Um, as we are bridging this digital horizon, yeah, uh, approaching our own event horizon, possibly <laughs> of humanity. Um, but like, this is so cool. It's so fucking out there. Um, and for those of you listening who have been maybe enjoying some baseball updates, but haven't engaged, like, don't be afraid to jump in. It is a lot, but you can easily set barriers so it's not going to subsume your life. And you can just drop in and place bets 
and you know throw some money at some things and check in on a discord winner if you want to mm-hmm. um but man like this kind of social layer i feel like it is what people thought social networking mm. would be but there was no there there mm-hmm. there was nothing to do and baseball is like abstract as fuck but it is something to do and all this other random stuff and just one more uh, vague update in which um the tacos for obvious reasons have a channel that's about food <laughs> nice. and there was just this massive bleed through where people were talking about pasta on another channel and there's like the cross-referential piece of like Ah, I heard that over there on the navigation channel. I don't think it was navigation, but it doesn't matter. It was blowing up about people being very confrontational about who's interested in breaking noodles in half versus what size pan or (laughs) pot you should cook your spaghetti in. (laughs) And I'm just like, this is what you will not find on Facebook or Twitter or even Reddit. You know, like it's a thing of beauty and it's so deeply game influenced. It is it would not exist without video games specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nor would it exist without COVID. (laughs) (sighs) Which, uh, I mean, worst possible time to invoke that, I suppose, because of our current situation. But yeah, well, uh, like everyone's really trying to move past COVID right now. And I'm just like, I kind of am too, but I also recognize like, come on, face reality people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. well, yeah, I guess, yeah, to finish my uh, thought and on that, finish like, the update. yeah, just uh, very, very pleased, you know, to, to be able to speak with you about it. Cause I have this thing where whenever I talk to like Steve at work or Nick, I sort of preface it by like, you know, I'm not sure if you're following or interested, but yeah, here. And, you know, as well, especially Nick is always happy to hear it, but for, for, me to have a friend who out of the blue texts me about baseball and a question. Like, what's going or, on with this shit, man? Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's what I've been searching for for uh, for for a while now. And uh, it was hence inevitable that I would arrive at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy happy for that inevitability. Um, well, I mean, what can I say, Paul? It, it is also an affirmation. Um, you tend to uh, be at the at the breaking end of trend when it comes to game stuff. So it's not remotely shocking to me that you were way ahead on this one. And um, honestly, if it had somehow been anchored around fantasy basketball, I would have been in it super fast because I mm-hmm. used to play fantasy basketball or football for that matter. Um, fantasy baseball is the original fantasy sport. Mm-hmm. It is the absolutely the best possible platform for doing something like this. And I say that like in a very unbiased way. Uh, it is, again, m- probably my one of my least favorite live sports um in terms of televised mm-hmm. but the structure of baseball is perfect for riffing into absolute fucking weirdness the way that baseball does uh it is so par- it it's pared down right mm-hmm. like baseball is super super pared down cricket or something but i mean at the end of the day there are aren't that many weird rules in baseball. It starts as a pretty simple game Mm -hmm. and that makes it totally prime for something like baseball where you can have 
random bizarre shit with players getting incinerated or unruns becoming a concept. Mm-hmm. And one of those I think is a great idea. And the other, I think is not. <laughs> yeah. But you know, all I can say is that I expect that the future of blaze ball will get even weirder. It, it will. And, and, and I also like the concept of unruns is less satisfying for me, but I mean, those are a thing of the past now because the rules <laughs> they just got deleted. They saw got sucked into a fucking black like, There's hole. no more carnivals. There's no more community chest. Um, the thieves. Guilds are gone. Um, what about the things that pop up on the other side of the, of the black? Right. Hole? We don't know. We do not know. Um, but yeah, we'll certainly be counting down the, the weeks. I mean, we'll provide, you know, the uh, final baseball update for a while. We'll, we'll do next week as you and I get to watch the finale of the expansion era. Um, very excited to, to see that. Um, yeah. But for now, we will uh, move on to our final feature of the show. Make my game. All right. And coming this week from Hidden Piranha Entertainment comes the game Arc Arsh Arcaline Arshaline. Um so it's A R C H E L I N E. So Arch Eline or Arshaline. Arcaline. Arcaline. Like Archangel. Okay. Um so yeah, that is our hidden pro- boy hidden piranhas. I mean, they're usually hidden enough in the water. Truth, but, but in this, this case, is... uh, these piranhas are uh, are just Dev Studio, and um, <laughs> I think this game. I really love the idea of this being uh, two dimensional, in the deepest sense of that. It is a game about lines and shapes. Did you ever read Flat World? Um, no, I've read like snippets or the concept, but but yeah. So the concept is sufficient for what I'm talking about here. And I think it translates especially well to a game space. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the arc, like arc, Archangel, right? But like Archeline. It's like the line. The line is your building block of all shapes. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a world of lines and shapes. It's a puzzle game, except that like shapes also imbued with color and or, uh, you know, whether or not they're, they're true, um, you know, equally structured or, or oddly structured, all have character and identity. Okay. And it's a conflict between like a force that is trying to impose uniformity across lines and shapes versus like an openness of like, you can have all kinds of weird squiggly shit. And what is exactly good and what is exactly evil between the squiggly, more chaotic shapes versus the like uniformity? Unclear. Except that, like, obviously, you've got a, a, a layer from the beginning of the game where the impression is that the, the good side is all about making things uniform and nice, but there are problems with this, right? So the question is, 
Um, Cause I've, I've thrown some narrative shit at the wall to see if it sticks. If any of that feels okay to you, then like what might be the game mechanics to make this run? Did you ever play a game called ZZT? I did not. It was um, ASCII based um, really a long time ago for, for me. Um, it was like a, a real time puzzle kind of game, but it was all ASCII. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, those were the images that were being conjured when you were describing your, your premise there. Oof. Oh, I dig yeah. it. I'm yeah. looking at some things now. It's on my, it's on my long list actually. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this is not out of line with what I'm thinking about, although I think I was thinking a little more victory. Okay. But the core concept here, and bear in mind, I have had most of this bottle of 2015 Goose <laughs> Island Bourbon County. So it's probably influencing my thoughts on the process. Um, th- th- but it's not out of line at all. The crudity of the, of the render, uh, even though it's a little bit more like pixel oriented instead of like vector oriented mm-hmm. uh, graphically, is definitely in line with, uh, w- with kind of what I'm thinking about, that you're in a world that is, you know, it's not ASCII, it's the equivalent of ASCII only with shapes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe you start out as a line. Okay. And you have the, the potential to, uh, to evolve your shape in different directions, right? Maybe this is one of those great opportunities to significantly retrograde the, the render in favor of really digging down on complex types of interactions that represent different types of human condition and, inter- and you know, ways of being, et cetera, right? Um, like we were talking about previously with GTA 3, having a relatively like very wide horizon for what you could do. Uh, but it's actually dwarfed by what was going on at that time in terms of text games, mm-hmm. except text games were kind of dying slash dead. Yeah. Um, so maybe you have a, a, a segment that you can graft on to your physical form that represents an ability, but it also represents uh, an aspect of humanity or an aspect of difficulty or, or suffering yeah like, okay you have two arms now but now you can experience regret i so think if you kill an enemy with these arms you know your regret meter will go up <laughs> i'll push you a little bit more though those two arms are you are a triangle now but now you can experience regret mm-hmm. your two arms are two different lengths right you went you went from being aligned to, to not having just one angle that you could swing around um, but now too. And so you can experience regret and that, that like builds up and it becomes a reservoir of emotion that you actually have to deal with in game. You cannot carry too much of it. Hmm. And as you evolve as a polygon, like you get more and more layers of this. So like the, the arc align is ultimately like challenging you. It's the, the polygon of pure order. Whoa that has, has positioned you with the challenge of saying, you're gonna work through this world of shapes and lines. Um, and your job is to erase all the squiggles and all the messy bits and everything. Um, but as you are in the process of doing that and you become a more complex shape and a more mutable shape that you get to kind of choose your evolutions, um, 
it forces you to reckon with the fact that you're erasing other other shapes and other lines individuality and their being mm-hmm. um and you at some point in the game you have to make a choice do you want to con- continue to be aligned with the arc align or do you want to take your shape in a more chaotic direction and allow for squiggles and weirdness, which gives you a different set of powers uh, and a different set of consequences. Yeah. Uh, and, and a different, different Dharma. So to speak, absolutely. <laughs> your path manifestly fucking changes um, because you go from having a very simple, clear and clean path from the beginning of the game. If you choose to deviate, except that if you choose to continue, you still, you wind up, carrying more weight as a result so even if you choose that like i'm going to continue to serve the arc line through this entire path and, and and take their orders and do everything they must do uh you bear a different weight of consequence and maybe you become more limited mm-hmm. uh, like you begin to diversify your possible actions in mid-game in terms of what your different segments and sides and whatever can do but if you hard commit to the arc line you start to lose those abilities as you become more uniform yourself. Yeah, and I can even see it as like physically unable to fit through certain spaces, like the entryway to a new area. If you have too many appendages going off in different directions, you know, we could say that you're not allowed. And they're fixed appendages. They're not like wiggly appendages. Right. right? Or they could be wiggly and it could be a, a puzzly bit where you are trying to see if you even can negotiate mm-hmm. your way through this this area but like the the lighter your you know your baggage is the more opportunities are afforded to you but with more baggage comes more power and the ability to, to dig deeper into the segments that you do uh, allow yourself access to i'm feeling a very um uh, what's that game under um under Tail? um undertale Undertale, which I still haven't played vibe, where um, you're encountering these different shapes and they have their stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And that like, this is a game that actually really thrives on content development uh, where where the words that are going to appear are going to really help you think about what you want to do. Not what you can do, but what you want to do. Mm. Yeah, I dig it. Note to self, do not drink uh, Bourbon County bottles while doing Make My Game. <laughs> results are unpredictable. Especially with such a Arcaline is, I don't know, that Arcaline gives us a lot to do. It's not like the RNG gave us a, a like simple, like, here's something fun and you can make it weird if you want to. Yeah. Uh, it, it did something challenging and I was like, what can I possibly fucking grab onto here? Right. I was actually trying a different uh generator uh just now just to see what what that flavor would be like and it actually presents you with a, a list of them and uh yeah i i don't tend to regret uh you know i don't tend to look back with regret on things but i'm just looking at some of these other because i'm like whatever my eye falls on is the first but it, we could have instead had uh cannibal castle <laughs> oh my god see that's like a, a perfect prompt for drinking and coming up with some game right. <laughs> or perhaps even better law and bridge which i really 
uh, I really am curious about. Maybe I, I next week we'll do. Because it's a terrible bridge. idea, but we should really like reserve that for next week and just not tell our guests. That no, that's exactly what I what I was thinking. Uh, so yeah, next week we should either do Law and Bridge or Cannibal Castle, depending. Maybe on we'll st- let the guests decide. We uh, should have a guest next week. Cool. As um, per current as per current plans, and yes. uh, unless uh, something calamitous happens, so uh, y'all can look forward to that. <laughs> Um, but for now, I think that is the uh, semi-baked uh, version of Arcaline. Um, you know, I, I think we've got some some good hooks there to to develop. It strikes me as like that initial concept that's got a really long ways to go, but could do something that's a little bit different from from normal games. Yeah. Um, well, great. With that, we will move on to the goodbyes section. And uh, Moses, as always. Thanks for being here with me this week. As always, and Pablo is here with me to say, thank you for hosting. Now, that's just, uh, that's Paul in Spanish, right? Uh, he is. Pablo is Paul. And incidentally, his middle name is Gabriel, which is my brother's name, Gabriel, in Spanish. So, yeah. you know. Well, and thanks to everyone out there for uh, listening to this week's edition of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, feel free to email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never never stop stop playing. playing!